Yeah, usually I get the crows. I like it. And I don't have any software that takes out the crows. (laughs) I just leave it in. You should. And the bees and the birds. and That's okay. It's the idiots with the motorcycles. And (laughs) and it's like, really? One person I went to interview, literally, I turned on the microphone. And it was, oh, good, fire engines. (laughs) They knew how to time it for you. That's all. I don't think they timed it. I think they're on top of the firehouse going, Okay, ready? He turned on the microphone. All right, go, 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 go. It's like some attack. Yep. Okay, so we're all good. Volumes and everything. All righty, we're recording. Hello, Claremont. Welcome to yet another episode of Claremont Speaks. I'm Russ Binder, your host, once again, for better or worse. And I have today with me a guest I've been pursuing professionally, of course, <laughs> <laughs> for months and months. She is fantastic. I know you're going to enjoy her, her interview. With me today, I have Carrie Anderson. And I always think it's, hello, Mrs. Anderson. <laughs> 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 but I'm not quite as evil as Agent Smith. That's okay. Uh, funny story, my husband actually took my last name when we got married. So he oh. likes to go by Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Yes. So you're a good Italian girl. <laughs> I Irish Catholic was the upbringing. I'm joking, I, but I uh, but yes, yes. <laughs> no, I read up on your bio, and your folks are from let's say what the Scandinavian region is that it? That's correct. Yes, and then mid good Midwest stock, and then you came out here. My father was born in Iowa, drove out to California, and never looked back. He wanted to experience things called mountains. So, yeah, yeah, they're short on that there. A little bit. So let's do this, Carrie. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for coming on Claremont Speaks. You are now once and forever a member of the Claremont Speaks family. I'm honored. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And I'm sure to everyone else's delight as well. You are the CEO of EMS. And if we get away from acronyms for just a second, that means employment means success, right? It does. Yes. And I think that's a fabulous business because I understand the one called unemployment means failure didn't last very long at all. Your competitor just went away. <laughs> exactly. Yes. We had different motivations. So yeah. That's right. They like the unemployment part, but it's just like the failure didn't go well. You have had two things happen here. First of all, you have had a 10 year anniversary. You are the CEO of a company that made it 10 years. I think, first of all, that by itself is outstanding. And second, we are going to talk today about an event you've got coming up, which even though life delayed our getting together, I think it worked out fine because the event you have coming up that you're going to talk about is a car show, which is probably number two or three, number two of all my favorite things. So it worked out perfectly. Oh, fantastic. I learned something new about you today. Thanks for sharing. Oh, I'm a car guy. Seriously. There you, it's when I was in high school. We'd drive around with our girlfriends and the guys, we'd all talk cars. And the girls would say, don't you guys talk about anything except cars? Talk about something else besides cars. Okay. And we'd say, all right, what do you want to talk about? So Janet got a new, a new puppy or something that she'd say. And we go, okay, Janet. Oh, we like her. What car does she have? <laughs> and, and it didn't take two sentences. And we were often like, oh, did, oh, she's got the chrome wheels. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She, and the girls are like, what? Is this impossible? <laughs> yeah. So you get it. All right. I do. I, my oldest brother taught me how to drive on his Corvette up oh, and down nice. that ball. Don't fiddle around. No. That was the car I learned to drive on. But he didn't. A real good one? It was beautiful. Convertible hardtop. But he did not warn me when the electrical panel would go out that 
power steering would go out. So that was a, uh, an interesting experience going up and down Mount Baldy. It was post-84? Yes, it was. The model was? Yes, it was. Yes. Good. You do know your cars. Those are famous for those. And that's, though, that is the Corvette where I think they fired all the real designers and they got a bunch of guys in that's like, oh, this will be cool. So, no, you know what they buy these for is horsepower. <laughs> oh no, it's going to be like a video game. No, they want horsepower and they want it to like actually get you where you're going. Oh, poppycock. <laughs> we, we, they want to have a, a video game dashboard. No, they don't. Okay. Right. And, and they actually took a year off from producing the Corvette. There's up to 82. This is true. There's up to 82 and there's one 1983 Corvette that looks like the 84s. And then the 84s came out a little late. And at first it was like, this is beautiful. They had designers, they opened it up. And I know this is not why you're here today, but real quick, just to prove a point. They opened it up, they had designers lay out the engine compartment. Oh, it's nice. The interior, oh, it's nice. And the dash, oh, this is cool. Everything's cool. It's like, um, these are slow and they break all the time. <laughs> they didn't go well. Valid point. Okay. So let's do this. You were talking about your brother teaching you to drive. That was maybe back in the high school days? It was, yes. It would have been in 1992. Okay. Let's start there and get to know you first. I always like to have the listeners get a sense of who they're listening to and why they should continue. And so far, so good. Tell us about your path to this point and just maybe start with you graduated high school and then what? Great. Thanks. So I was born and raised here in Upland. Upland High School was going to be a little intimidating for me. It's a lot of students, a lot of people. So my parents had a conversation with me and decided to go to Pomona Catholic. So I'm a PC girl, graduated mm -hmm. in 93. Not politically correct. Nope. Not, okay. No. Not that PC. No. Pomona or, Catholic on Holt and White. Oh, there we go. Graduating class was less than 100 students, which was perfect for me. My parents knew because of my dyspraxia, the idea of taking an exam probably wasn't going to go well. And could you explain for the listeners who aren't so up on it what dyspraxia is? Sure. There's something called dyslexia. Yes. And then there's versions of that. So each label that you put to it will describe what can happen. So basically my filing system in my brain, when you put stuff in, sometimes it gets misfiled. And so retrieving that information at the appropriate time is not always my best friend. I think I'm going to have to rename my house Dyspraxia Central. <laughs> my parents always raised me saying, you'll, you'll never be the student that gets straight A's, but try as hard as you can and you will be fine in life. Fortunately, my dad was an engineer and actually spoke about smart munitions across the world. So I was taken out of school every so often through high school where I got to travel through Europe. Nice. And that was probably some of the best history lessons my mom could have given me. My dad made sure I was learning math on the plane. Math was my good subject. Writing is not. Typing, I'm fantastic. So a year of typing in high school was probably one of the best classes I could have taken. I agree. I took typing in high school, too, for two reasons. One is I knew I was going to go to college, and my handwriting was abominable. Secondly, it was about a 10 to 1 ratio of girls to guys in the typing class. And I'm like, that's the class for me. So my school was all girls. So oh. I, there, the boy wasn't allowed an opportunity in our particular class. I don't know what Damien, maybe they had typing. I'm assuming they did back then. So it was all girls and one boy? It was all girls and Mr. Franklin, the history teacher, 
And I think there was a science teacher. But no other student. No other student. Oh, man. Yeah. That would have been just like a target-rich environment. <laughs> <laughs> all girls. But we were part of the tri-school. So it was Damien, St. Lucie's, and Pomona Catholic. Mm-hmm. So all three would do things collaboratively, like games and dances, things like that. But so high school, and then I went to Mount Sac, Mount San Antonio Community College. I got my AA, transferred to Cal State Fullerton. Some stuff in life happened. I worked my way through school, and then I finished my bachelor's in psychology through University of Phoenix. So the only thing, I guess, in today's political climate world is I paid my way through. I never had to take out a college loan, and I was really grateful to the time my employer, a soup plantation. I was traveling the country for them, doing new store openings, loved it. And then I thought, gosh, I'd really like to know what it's like to have a Monday through Friday job. Because in the restaurant world, it's like Thursday through Sunday. And 12 or 18 hours a day. Right. And so it was great, but I wanted to know what it was like to maybe see my family when they went to dinner on Saturday night. Because I had never really had the opportunity to do that. Really? Restaurant people, usually the last thing they want to do is go to a restaurant. I... Just, but the family was going no, out, but it was like, hey, it'd be great to, or your friends are going out on Friday night and they start at 7 p.m. and you don't get to them till 11 or 12 and everyone's asleep by one. So mm. it was nice to get a, a Monday through Friday job. So I transferred over to the corporate world and got injured at work. And that was an experience. Fell back, hit my chin, locked my jaw, couldn't really drive or stand or sit for any period of time for a couple of years. That led me to get hired at an organization here in Claremont that I still hold dear to my heart called Skill, Service Center for Independent Life. That just started me on the path I am now with working and assisting individuals who happen to have a disability go to work. So you were at Skill, Mm -hmm. and then there was something, I'm taking it, that was, and I always ask everybody this, an epiphany, an aha moment, the clouds parted, God said, thou shalt do something else. What was that? What, is, what made you say, let's turn right and do this? So it's a really great question, and my brain right now is thinking of a different answer. So hopefully I will answer it correctly. It's your answer, and there's no wrong answers. <laughs> so when I was at Skill, there was a separate department where we provided sign language interpreters to the community, specifically Department of Rehabilitation. And now, do you sign language? A bit, yes. Nice. So I, I took it in college. I fell in love with the language, and I also fell in love with the culture. So in the deaf community, really, it, I've um, never heard that. Go ahead. Yeah. So I was fortunate when I was at Skill, I had two coworkers, one that was hard of hearing and one that was deaf. And both of these human beings were so gracious and so kind to me. And they allowed me to have the opportunity to understand the culture. And so in our world, the hearing world, we have a conversation and there's things we pick up on body language, but the words we use give a story. So if I'm deaf or hard of hearing and I'm communicating with a hearing person, even if I can read lips really well, the best I can read them is 50%. Especially if someone has a beard or a mustache or really small lips or if they talk too fast. Or a COVID mask. That that was ideal for a bit, yes. That was a bit of a challenge. But the culture is very matter of fact. So if you and I were to tell our employer, I'm calling in sick, we may just say, oh, I don't feel well. I need to take the day off. If you ask someone who's deaf or hard of hearing, specifically from the deaf culture, they'll tell you what their symptoms are in graphic details. Just out of natural habit. Natural habit, because it's just very matter of fact. Say what it is, mean what you say, that's it. There's no reading between the lines. That was a huge thing that I fell in love with, and just so very patient and kind and understanding. And then I got to learn about tactile interpreting for people who are deaf and blind. You might think Helen Keller, when you would, the person like talking in the hands. So to see that and watch that, 
to see a different way to communicate that it's just more than your words leaving your mouth. Your whole body is communicating a story. And that sort of started me on this path. Very quickly, to your point, I understand that a deaf person once was asked to watch President Reagan and because they are so interpretive of body language and facial and this and that expressions. They watched for five minutes and said, those were all lies. He's lying. They oh. That the, the, because they're so attuned to mm-hmm. all of those things, they can tell when you're lying. Do the folks you worked with also detect that better than most, whether or not you're genuine? I would say yes, but I guess in my brain, I didn't associate that with them being deaf or hard of hearing. It was just their personalities. Um, so one of my coworkers at the time, his name was Scott. We were helping a lady who was a hoarder. Section 8 housing was going to kick her out. And she had some mental health issues going on. So she allowed us to move some things out. During that process, by the second day and by the third day, it was just too emotionally traumatizing for her. So Scott just took his hearing aids out. So I was the only one listening, actively listening to this individual who was at this point just becoming scared because her things were being removed and putting into a storage unit that she had. So I look over and Scott's hearing aids are just hanging outside of his ears. And I was like, that's not fair. It's just, it's a memory I have that I'll always, I, these are people that I got to meet that just took me in and were embracing and loving and kind. And so I assimilate their personalities and how they are with the entire deaf culture. It's an incredible thing. I would never have known that. And I think that's great of you to explain. Would they like to have a transcript of this podcast? That would be uh, wonderful if that could happen. Yes, thank you. No, it can happen. And I promise I will do that for you. Thank you. Now, you're hanging out with your hearing challenged folks at Skill. And then how did EMS become? So I was working corporate world, got hurt. I was working for a big employer. I then, because of my injury, workers comp was involved and they ended up finding me the job at skill. So I'm working there and then management changes. So with management changes, some things happen. That happens. I had just put triple pane windows in my house and it was a little bit before St. Patrick's day. So my friends took me to our local pub. used to be the British bulldog owned by, by some Australian amazing family. It's now owned by somebody else, but long story short, met my husband on St. Patrick's day with one too many beers. And I don't have a job, and I have triple pin windows in my house. I was probably the best catch anyone could possibly think of at that moment, right on the checklist of, like, jobless. Let's see. Dead. Self-esteem right now, probably (laughs) on the ropes. Right. Um, So Skill was one of what they call independent living centers in Southern California. So there was one in Garden Grove called the Dale McIntosh Center. They called me and asked that I take over their interpreting services program. That's where we would provide interpreters to hospitals within one hour. So if someone was deaf and hard of hearing, they're at the hospital, they need an interpreter right away, they would call all hours of the night. And I was able to run that program with amazing staff, an amazing call center, and incredible interpreters that were willing to pick up the phone at 2 a.m., throw on some clothes, and be someplace right away. An emergency room, no, no doubt. Usually an emergency room, yes. I mean, we had stuff scheduled in advance on other things, but that was the main concern. If someone needs somebody right away to understand what's being communicated, that's important in an emergency room situation. So at that organization, there was another program that assisted individuals with disabilities to go to work. The gentleman who ran that program, John Tostado, he took me under his wing, loved it, had a wonderful time, learned a lot about the program where you help people with disabilities go to work, ended up going to another employer that was starting a program similar to what EMS does. And I had this is where I had the epiphany. It was That's like, what we're after. All of these employers 
offer this particular service, but it's only one of the services they offer. They offer a myriad of services, which are all incredible. And I thought, what if you could just offer this one service, do one thing and do it well? Kind of like in and out Exactly like in and out This is what they do. There's not, it's not like Starbucks, no offense to Starbucks, but someone goes to Starbucks and you have this list of choices for anything and it's everything. Too many. So in and out do you want a cheeseburger or do you want a burger? We're good. We're going out the door. And so I thought, what if we could do just that? And so I spoke to my husband. We mortgaged our house. I had a business partner at the time who was a little more savvy when it came to the state of California and how they operate. And we incorporated in August 2012. And fast forward, it's 10 years later. And your partner then helped you to get to your 501c3 status and all. I look at that as a number of folks here in Claremont have done that. Probably most famously, the Sanctuary Coffee people. Mm Mm-hmm. But I always look at that, wow, that seems like, how much paperwork can you fill out? Is that about right? Yes. So I was fortunate. One of the Claremont Sunrise Rotarians, I'm in Claremont Sunrise Rotary, Mark Nichols, he's our CPA. He was the one that helped make it happen. So he and I sat down. I remember one day there were some forms that had to be submitted by the end of the day. I sat on my little yoga ball. My husband makes fun of me for it. Sat on that in front of the computer, and I did not move for probably 10 hours. At some point, I think someone brought me lunch. Someone brought me some water. But I just didn't move. And the state of California and our federal government accepted our application first time out. No corrections, no anything. Which Brilliant. Which apparently is a big deal. It is. I've tried a couple of things. I've looked at all the paperwork. Never mind. Right. Yep. But we were able to get incorporated. It, it took a while for the paperwork to come back saying we're a nonprofit. But there was no questions about our application. They accepted it as it was. So Nicely done. That was 10 years ago, almost to the day. It was, yes. So 10 years ago, August 2012, we incorporated and haven't looked back. I've enjoyed every moment since. That is one of the greatest stories, just that you pursued a path, life through some right hooks and some gut punches, and you're here. Good. So EMS means employment means success. And like we said, it's a 501c3 organization, and you provide employment services to individuals who want to go to work. Yes. Now, it would seem to me that's a pretty broad spectrum. <laughs> it is. Just anybody who wants to go to work can come to you, or do you focus on a certain target demographic? Great question. So our customer is actually the state of California, Department of Rehabilitation. They refer clients to us who happen to have a disability. So oftentimes when I say the word disability, people instantly get a visual of who they think of. So you may get a visual of someone with maybe Down syndrome or someone that you see in a wheelchair. So we happen to be able to be afforded the opportunity to work with individuals that you may or may not recognize as having a disability. It could be recently we actually worked with someone who is a lawyer, graduated law school, and their disability was narcissism. Hey, you can get to be a president. Right. (laughs) So anyone who might be listening who's from the world of psychology, there's a book and it goes through all these different disabilities. So to qualify for our services, you would be referred through your local Department of Rehabilitation. You would refer to us with what they call a vocational goal. So an individual says, this is what I want to do for a living because I have the education, the experience, the certification, and or desire. Anything that's going to make it where when you look at the list of requirements for a particular job, they would meet quite a few of them, if not all of them. So they get referred to us. And we help them find a job of their choice. Could you tell us like some of your big home runs? Everybody likes to hear about super success stories. And so far, your story has just been full of it. Full of success <laughs> stories, rather, in the vernacular. But do you have a couple that have just been like, okay, we really tried hard and in the end we prevailed? Right. So 
One of our recent examples was Amazon hired the first ever fully blind person, and it was one of our clients. She was living with family. Fast forward through the process with us being there providing what we call short-term support. So we have kind of like an extra assistant to them on the job for the first 90 days. In addition to some other services from Department of Rehabilitation where they marked the ground so she knew where the break room was, where her workstation was, also some assistive technology that she could immediately pull some up on the phone, show them what she's looking at. So if she had a question about a label or a color, she then would know where to put it. And the story with Rosa, she is now living in her own apartment. She gets transportation to work every day and is a successful employee with Amazon. So this really turned her life around. Is that fair to yes. say? She went from living at home on social security disability to living on her own, going to work five days a week. Her quality of life, to your credit, improved immeasurably. She was someone who had some tenacity and she was going to do it. And we were able to be part of that. So it was really rewarding. Right. We have another one. It was a gentleman down in Hemet. So if anyone knows where Hemet is, it's a great place. But it takes a while to get there, right? And once you're there, you're there. And this individual, he got an opportunity to work at a warehouse, but getting to and from work was a challenge with public transportation. He didn't have his own vehicle. And so the staff where he was working, they all got together and purchased him a used car. So to have someone who was taking public transportation on disability, now working and made such a depression on their coworkers that they collaboratively got together and bought him a vehicle. I think that's a good story. And that was through your efforts. Getting him there and encouraging him and explaining to him how to present himself so that he came across confident and sociable and approachable. His true self. Yes. And then the folks jumped in and helped him out. Yes. That's a win. And you got to be pretty proud of that. It's, I've always said, if there's a day that comes when we get the call, when someone says they got the job, if I'm not excited, that's the day I need to stop. Good for you. That's awesome. Now, is there any other requirements? I wanted to ask, for instance, newcomers. Now, a challenge might be that they just came from Afghanistan. That is and it, true. They don't speak the language. Right. And yet, the folks that come are highly educated and really were successes in their own country. And the turn of fate, as you will, last August right. caused quite a migration to here. Right. Are those folks that would qualify for your help? There should be a niche for them, but we're not it. Okay. Or because I, the reason I ask is that last week I interviewed Ann Thorward again uh -huh. from the Newcomers Access Center and her people, like I said, all very capable and educated and surprisingly good English. They want to work. They can produce. They, there's a lot of things they can do. And I thought when I saw your profile here, it's like, how many check boxes do you have to have? <laughs> so for us, you have to be referred to us right now. The way we're set up, the way we're established is through Department of Rehabilitation, which is a California government funded program, or actually it's our government, state of California, Department of Rehabilitation. You have to qualify for their services to make it to us. And for that, you ah. do either have to be a citizen of the United States or in the process of becoming a citizen. That they are. And have a disability. That it, they don't. So it's someone, so imagine your friends or son, they just graduated high school. Maybe they do have a learning disability, but they should be able to get a job. And you're like, there's just, there's like a crack. There's a little something missing. What is that something? Like they have their act together. They're responsible. Like, what is it? Like me as an outsider looking in or even a parent looking in, they should be able to get a job. I don't understand what's happening. That's the individual that would go to Department of Rehabilitation. They would provide certain resources, either help with a monthly bus pass, would assist them with getting interview clothes, 
they then could be referred to us so that we can teach them how to get a job and how to keep that job. Gotcha. So an individual will be referred to us and we guarantee within one day, we will reach out one business day. We'll reach out to them so that they don't feel like what happened. I saw my counselor at Department of Rehabilitation. They said someone would help me. Now I'm in limbo because when you go to the DMV, the line's long. You're like, what's going to happen? So we want to make sure we call them right away. Right. We do an intake either over the phone, in person, or Zoom. A lot of that changed after 2020. But it's, everything got COVIDized. Every, everything got to change. But we made a lemonade out of lemons. And we have been able to show we're helping actually more people go to work now with the implementation of the changes we had to make for COVIDized life. That's a word now. I learned a new word today. I didn't know that one. Okay. Well, I just made it up. So <laughs> it's, I like did. it. It's a good word. So they get referred to us. We do an intake. We work on their resume, their interview skills, and then we collaborate with them about what employers they want to work for. So we'll reach out to employers. We'll have them reach out to employers, but we help them because if you have been on disability or social security, or you haven't had income, when you're applying to jobs, if you hear one more no, that's get, that can defeat you. So we take on that burden. We will be the ones that will call that employer. We'll be the ones that follow up. We'll guarantee that they're actually looking to hire someone before asking our client to even apply. And if they need help with the application, we'll do that too. So a little bit of pre-screening and a little bit of assistance. Yes. So then the second category I'd like to talk to you about, my sister's youngest son is autistic. Okay. And he has... He's now 22 or three, and he's working part-time in a donut shop. Is that somebody you could help? Autism is a disability in anybody's book, right? It is. So autism has a spectrum. So it would depend on where they are on the spectrum. If the services we provide... We'll say for him, mid-range. So the question I would ask him directly or his parents would be if he qualifies for something called regional center. And if he does, there's a different path that's similar to what we do, but it's a lot more hands-on. If he's not part of regional center, then absolutely we would be the organization that can assist him. So on the spectrum of a one to 10, 10 being, I don't know what, Rain Man? Right. And one being just a little, like the, the in the movie, The Accountant? Okay. You, the Accountant, yes. 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 Which I think is my, my sister who knows autism, she says, oh yeah, they got it right. So somebody like that would... In, in the accountant, would that be somebody you could help? Absolutely. I'm working with a wonderful young lady right now. She just got her master's in statistics. And she was talking about the fact that she thought maybe she'd be emotionally drained. And she feels she's more of an introvert. And she attributed that to be having autism. I was like, that could just be your personality. Like, that may or may not have anything to do with your autism. It's Some people are introverts. Some people are extroverts. Non-autistic people have that all the time. That means you're normal. Right. But all this time they've been wondering, he's going to grow up. We're not going to be here forever. He's going to need a job. What can we do? And I just didn't know where you would fit into that. I'd be happy to talk to them. Well, she's in New Jersey. But the point being is that as an example. Yes. And I don't know him well enough to tell you what number in between Rain Man and the accountant that he would be. Right. But say mid-range. Okay. Okay. How would you say, if if that's somebody you could help, how would you address to someone out there who hopefully is listening to contact you and to describe whether or not you could help them. That actually would be the, def- the defining line if we could help them or not. Because if I know that they qualify for regional center, that means they would be, the path they would go for employment is called supportive employment, which is similar to what we do, but a lot more hands-on. If in fact they did not qualify for regional center or were considered what we 
in my world, we say too high functioning there you go. for that program, they then would be referred to us and we would be happy to help them and tell them about other resources in the area if they don't already know about them. I think a lot of times if a parent is really involved, they know about the medical world, what their child needed medically, but maybe not necessarily some of the services that are here that are outside of that, that can be very supportive, not only for the family, but the person themselves. So the, the regional center would make that assessment and then say, okay, you're okay for us or no, go see Carrie. Exactly. Okay. They would say, no, go straight to Department of Rehabilitation. And then, then Department of Rehabilitation would say, hey, Carrie, we have someone we think you could really help. So That really, I think, crystallizes what I read on your website and so forth. And I was just a little vague as to exactly the, let's say your- Our demographic. I was going to, who's your avatar, right? <laughs> right. Very good. Now, you've been at this 10 years. You started, and can you tell us a little bit about some of the hurdles and bumps? I think everybody that starts a business, I think this is absolutely universal. Soon after starting a business, they go, what did I do? <laughs> did you have that as well? I did. It was, so every, so imagine any employer you work for, every office has its own culture. And so each department of rehabilitation, they have their own personalities. So we want to make sure when we as a job developer going to that department of rehabilitation, we send the right personality for the location. That's been a, some interesting aha moments. Meaning how do you have a, something of a matching process? Right. So we want to make sure whatever the culture is that we're sending somebody to, that they're going to fit in there. So if, if you're a really good HR manager and if you have an office where there's lots of people that talk a lot, maybe you want to bring someone who doesn't talk a lot so that it'll help balance it out. An example would be, so when we have a job developer that's out in the El Monte area, I want to make sure he speaks English and Spanish. Fair enough. When I, like for myself, I actually go up to the high desert. High desert's a different personality than say Long Beach or Ontario or Temecula. So you want to make sure that the job developer is going to understand the culture of the area that they're at to ensure that they're most helpful, not only to the clients, but also Department of Rehabilitation to the counselors that are there. And so knowing the client and knowing the culture is their job. Right. And the matching process is recruiting the right baseball player. Exactly. Okay. I'm not so stupid, right? One of the things... (laughs) We wanted to make sure we did is with our staff because it's a fee for service that we provide. So we get an authorization and our staff gets to see that. So they get to see our billables. So always just to be really honest with our staff and say, this is how much you cost. This is how much you bring in. These are the numbers. So if you've never been an accountant or a money person, when you're seeing these billables go by you and you see these big, not big numbers, but you see these numbers and you can, anyone can add up. I help this many people. This is how much money's coming in. For them to understand what goes to taxes, what goes to rent, what goes to workers' comp, all these other things, to be able to show that to your, to the people you're working with so they know, okay, I'm bringing this money in, this is what it goes to, and that's why this is what I earn. Not everybody understands that nonprofit doesn't mean non-expense. Right. So was that one of the first hurdles to understand how to balance that? It was one of my, my checklists of what I wanted to do. And to be able to do it in a way that made sense. Because it may make sense in my head, but I like numbers. I like math. So to be able to explain it in a way that someone who's a salesperson, sales personality, they want to go out there. They want to help people. They want to be moving. Paperwork is not their best friend. And so to explain it in a way that, okay, this makes sense to me. I think my biggest hurdle was creating our own database. And a, a gentleman named Frank Parks, he did a lot of stuff for Disney. He sat down with me in a restaurant down in the village for about three hours one day. Whoa. And he said, I can create this for you. So he created our database so that it would be easier for everyone to access. A hurdle might be the paperwork. So we have an independent contractor who uploads everything to the database. Because mm-hmm. asking a salesperson to deal with the database is not a good idea. So that was a hurdle. 
Uh, That's the last thing they want to hear about. (laughs) No, I need to be selling. You can fiddle with this. Right. And we have a wonderful woman who takes care of that for us. And she's an incredible independent contractor. She works when she wants. Shout out if you like to. Yes, it would be Barbara Bullen. She's amazing. She just handles all of it. She's cool as a cucumber. Like, sure, I have it. No problem. Put it in. So that was a big hurdle for me is figuring out how we were going to capture all this information because you have to keep it, right? You have to show proof of your work. So that was a hurdle. And she, between Barbara and Frank, that got solved. Okay. So 10 years of this progressively, what would you start out with? I read you have, what, a couple hundred clients a year. Is that about right? So we have around 600 clients a year. Oh, okay. I was way uh, off. No, that's so okay. you started off with how many, would you say? We started off with one office, Department of Rehabilitation. And slowly grew from a couple hundred people a, week, a year to around 600. And to be successful, every person we meet that we help find a job, they need to make it to what we call retention. So just at least to work successfully for 90 days. Correct. And then after that, we go away. And the idea is then they have the ability to get a job on their own in the future if they wanted to. Because now they have the tools that they may not have had before they met us. You've shown them the path. Mm-hmm. It does work. But so 600 people a year, and that's progressively a, an upward slope over the last 10. Yes. Very cool. Now, so then to look to the next 10, what's the goal? That's a really good question. That's why I do this. Right? I ask clients all the time when they, when an interview says, what do you want to do in your first year, in your, your fifth year, that you're, what, where do you see yourself? And here you're asking the question. That you ask of everyone. I ask of everyone else, right? So it's 2032. We're sitting in the park. The crow, we have different crows and different <laughs> dogs and lawnmowers or whatever. But right. We're having the same conversation. What are you going to tell me that happened between 22 and 32? That we grew a little bit. We expanded our services to broaden from just Southern California. But I like that, I like that we do what we do and we only do what we do. So I hope that my story to you is very similar. That we're, every client that comes to us, we're able to assist them. They're successfully working. And that our staff is happy and have been with us for 10 or 20 years that they retain their jobs Mm -hmm. because they like what they do. So in 10 years, you went from 200 to 600. Would the next 10 years make you go from 600 to 1800 in a way? Even if you don't do anything different than what you do, this is really what I'm getting at. What's the future? Are you looking to scale or just stay as you are or what's the deal? I am looking to scale. Okay. I am a bit of a type A personality. So means. For those of us, we have lots of different (laughs) listeners. They may not all know this. No, I like to know everything that's going on. And so I think- Are you a micromanager? I am not a micromanager. No. Think if people are micromanagers and they work for them, that's fantastic. That is not my personality. That's not the way I I can operate. A brilliant delegator? I wouldn't even say brilliant delegator. I, I simply explain to my staff what the expectations are, what resources are available, and they always know that they can come to me if they have questions. I feel like their work will show for themselves, and if they're struggling, I will make myself available to them 110%, help them as much as I can. And I have had staff in the past that were amazing human beings, and this just wasn't the right world for them. And so to have an honest conversation and say, hey, listen, you're struggling really a lot in this job and you're a really good person. Maybe this isn't the right job for you and that's okay. And to watch them succeed and still be friends with me on Facebook, like I'm okay with that. So I am not a micromanager. I simply want to say, here's the job. Here's what's needed. I'm available. Please reach out with any questions and also reach out to them, be available so that they know the door is metaphorically and physically always open. Good deal. That, I don't know. I, I kind of want to work for you myself <laughs> after hearing all that. Thank you. I'm very fortunate. I work with some incredible, my, my coworkers are amazing. And my board is too. 
Oh, you ha- now the board is par- required as part of the. Yes. Maybe a, a couple minutes on that. How do you get good board members? Short version, Claremont Sunrise Rotary was my catalyst to even start our company, let alone get our board. Now you're over there with the last name brewing. I that? am. So Andy Dale's in our club and he's being really nice and he's donating a, some beer for my fundraiser coming up next weekend. He is a Claremont Speaks family member. He talked a couple years ago about the virtual turkey trot. It was, yeah. Now they're going back to a real one. We had a real one last year and we're having a real one. This yeah. So yes. But no, he and... Paul Henry. Paul Henry. Yep were hilarious. He said that the reason he joined that Rotary Club versus the other, he says, I just like breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) And we don't sing, which is good for someone like me. You don't want to hear me sing. I wasn't about to ask. No, good. Actually, but the microphone you're using is exactly the kind that Michael Jackson used. Wow. Yeah. I can moonwalk. Uh, Since this is audio only, (laughs) I'll trust it. Okay. So how do you get good board members? You get them from the Rotary Club? So honestly, what would happen is we had a list of what was expected from the board, thought of some people in the community that are philanthropic, care about the community, and could also make connections with other employers, because that's the thing. We need to help people with disabilities go to work. And when we first started, I knew accounting was not my best friend. So we recruited a board member that I knew from the dog park, Frank Pevin Bunch. He worked for, works for the County of San Bernardino doing accounting. So I thought that would be a good to have that fiscal responsibility on our board. So we just thought about our strengths as EMS, where are our weaknesses? And so we identified them and we reached out to potential individuals and recruited them that would fill that void, that would make us a whole and take a couple people to lunch, tell them what we expect. And if they like it, ask them to join. And most of our board has been on our board for all of the 10 years. Nicely done. Yeah. What else would have been a hurdle about a 501c3 that people probably don't know that would come as a surprise? Funding. So when everyone wants to go get a loan, like you're starting out, you need you have some startup expenses. Cash is good. Cash is good. So most businesses, they go to something called an SBA loan. It's a Small Business Administration. Right. This is something we all do. It's easy. You show up, you explain everything, and they'll give you, they won't give you, they'll loan you some money. 501c3 isn't eligible. They're a nonprofit. SBA and 501c3s cannot mix. So we received the first ever Cal Southern loan. So it's basically the state of California's version of an SBA loan. So we were the first to ever receive it in California. So that was an interesting experience to get. We were able to pay it off on time. Another thing that was so interesting with an SBA loan, you had to show someone else who's willing to give you funding. A dear friend of ours, his name is Doug Thompson. Matching funds type of a thing? You just had to show that all of your eggs were not going to be just in their basket. And so Doug was gracious enough to loan us some money and we paid him back exactly as we said we should. I made my husband and I made sure we saved money in our personal savings account just in case because you never want to take advantage of a friend beyond what you should or what they're willing to offer. Right. And I that was a hurdle or a fear of mine. What if we can't? We need to have a backup plan. If the business isn't able at this point to pay him back by this commitment time, what are we gonna do? So we besides just, borrow more, right? Elsewhere, so that, there, that's the spiral, right? There, there was some extra borrowing that happened. That was a bit of a spiral, but with some help from our CPA and some better business practices, we learned from that, and we're healthy and happy. And I'm grateful for where we're at, stable and looking for the next ten. Yes, absolutely. And I ask that because I think people look at the five hundred one c three and think maybe I could do that. And I just like to hear from people who actually did do it. Maybe it's not so easy. It, it wasn't. Right. 
like it, when you first sit down and say, here are our costs, here are our expenses. Okay, we're good. And then things come up that you never would have thought of. Right. And you have to deal with them. Isn't that what, I think it's Muhammad Ali said, everybody has a plan, then you get hit in the face. Right. And you're just like, okay, so how are we going to handle this? And you handle it and you move forward. Okay. What about you and EMS would you like people to know that you don't think they do? For EMS, my my shameless plug. We're going to get to that. Oh, we're going to get to that. No, but what is it people assume that is maybe wrong about you and the business or don't know that you wish they did? Is that a good question? That is. I'm doing great today. You are. You're doing fantastic. Thank you. I think people assume if they identify me as being nice, that means that they can walk all over me. That's an inaccurate assumption. Mm. I think that being a nice human being is how I like to live my life. And I truly believe if you treat people well, they'll treat you well. And if they don't, that has nothing to do with you. That's something to do with them. Okay. Under the heading of things people may not know about EMS that maybe they should, I understand that you can also help startups. We have individuals that are referred to us who want to go to work. And as long as an employer can pay them, that's fantastic. Some things they may not know. So if I'm an employer and I know I need to hire 10 people, but I really want seven of them to be male between the ages of 20 and 30, they can tell me that before we'll send people over that they may want to hire. And then if it's a job where they're like, gosh, we're a startup company. We only have so much money to hire someone. We don't have a lot of time to train them. Great. There's a, we can incentivize you and cover some of that cost of them being with you the first 90 days. And it's called on-the-job training. So instead of you, the employer, paying for an extra employee that you can't afford to train this person, you now are going to get reimbursed for the difference of that cost. So it'll defer some of the cost of hiring this person. And then you can train them yourselves, your startup. You can train them exactly how you want to do what you want. And then there's going to be a reimbursement for you from the state of California. So so you would be helping startups yes. with that. That's nice. Now, But the folks that you are helping directly wouldn't come to you with, hey, I've got an idea for a startup. They sometimes do. If you were to go back in time 15, 20 years, Department of Rehabilitation would have supported that much more than they do now. But the whole, hey, there's this dot-com thing. Right. So years ago, they were really helpful to that. and they. But startups don't always make it. Hardly ever. And so Department of Rehabilitation wants the funding that they're providing for someone to go to work to be successful. Sure. And so that can get a little a little challenging to make happen, but it can. If someone, maybe they have a physical disability, so they need to work from home, and maybe they're on dialysis, so their availability wouldn't be predictable. I know someone that got started as a tattoo artist that we're able to help mm. because he was able to work certain hours based on his physical ability at the time. The reason I ask is there was a show on TV that was similar to Shark Tank where a couple of guys from Texas would uh, help people with startups. Oh. And somebody came to them and said, look, I've got this fabulous process for repairing cell phones that have been dropped, cracked, things like that. They said, okay, we'll give you the money, but you got to hire wounded warriors. Oh. And I thought if somebody came to you like that and said, look. I'm going to do this. If you'll help me, I'll hire people with disabilities exclusively and that way fulfill your charter. Right. Is that, would that be like a thing? That could definitely be a thing. When you mentioned wounded warriors, I do have to say, if we ever get someone referred to us who was a military vet, I generally ask it to be referred back to the state to be referred to work with a different organization. I wasn't in the military. 
I have no idea what that person has been through. I have no background, nothing I can pull, draw from that can relate to why that individual may or may not be able to be successful going to. In, in the case in the show is because the person had no legs. Huh? That's otherwise there, or they, there, there might've been those with PTSD, mm-hmm. things like that. But the millionaires that were helping the startup guy said quid pro quo. Right. You got the money, but it's got to be this. And they offered him whatever help, social services and whatever to make it successful. But he goes, that's the deal. That's amazing. And and the guy said, done. I think someone who served in the military who ends up with a disability because of their service. That's correct. In this case. So for the most part, there's a mental picture that, that goes with that. And so... Telling so the kind of work we provide or the support we provide is explaining like when you go to an interview, only show up fifteen minutes early, but show up fifteen minutes early. If I'm working with a mili- with a military veteran, you don't have to explain that to a military veteran. They're going to know what time to show up. They're going to know how to dress. They're going to know what to say, what not to say. So the services we provide, I don't think would benefit them. And I I think it's unfair. It would be unfair. I think they need to work with an organization that can understand their frustration because, you know, they're, I think oftentimes if someone's a military veteran, we have work with some, so they show up to work, they do their job and a month in they're calling frustrated. Like, why is my boss not showing up on time? Why is this coworker not doing what they're supposed to be doing? Like, this is frustrating for me. I can hear them say that, but I'm like, yeah, you're right. I can't say something like, I know, I understand it can be frustrating because I don't know that. I might be in the category of the person who showed up late or didn't follow through. So for me to try to give advice to someone that is coming from a perspective I have no understanding about, I think would be disrespectful. So, All right. So then finally, let's flip the question. Mm-hmm. Who would be your ideal? My ideal client? There we go. Who would be like the sweet spot? My ideal, what, who, who's exactly. your perfect avatar? My perfect avatar is someone between the ages of 18 and 101. Who's yeah, narrow it down. Yeah. High school graduate to someone who's over 65 and still wants to work. No, I was kidding. Wait, 101 yep. fine. But, but <laughs> if they still want to work, do it. Yeah. That they have a disability and they're just having a hard time getting a job or keeping a job for 90 days. And they're not sure why. So they get to work with us and we get to figure that out with them. So they then have that aha moment and they're able to be successful. And it's a job literally from their first job working as maybe a courtesy clerk at your local grocery store all the way to a professor or an art teacher or even a, a physician. So the gamut goes as far as the kind of job. And I think that helps our job developers because we're salespeople. We want to be moving and talking. And so every day I get to pretend to be somebody else. One day I'm a registered dental assistant. Later that day I might be an art teacher. And then by the afternoon I am wanting to work in a warehouse. Mm. So I get to pretend to be that person for a moment of my day. Learn what they want to do. Get excited about it and help them find that job that they want. Very cool. So your perfect avatar is somebody, the doppelganger that you, or is that the right word uh-huh. that you're after? Great. That would be the description. Yes. And all the other things, physical disability, tall, short, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Nope. That's the requirement. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very good. Because that's what I just wanted for you to be able to reach out. And my hope here for you being on Claremont Speaks is that after the world hears this, you get those people. And help them, as you say, and you can point to Claremont Speaks as having been at least partially responsible. 
I appreciate it. And if there's an employer around that wants to know about what we do, and if they have a certain niche or a certain need, and if we're currently working with someone that matches it, we would welcome the opportunity to present that client to them. Okay. Very good. So, Carrie, you have been an absolute tsunami of good information. I've learned very much. I'm sure the things I didn't even imagine to, that I would. Thank you. Quest, let's say answers beyond my questions. <laughs> Thank you. How about we do this now? I'd like to move into the portion of the program I call shameless self-promotion. This is your opportunity to tell Claremont how to get a hold of you. What's your number? What's your red, your website? What's your phone, your email? Where are you going to be tonight? Where bar you hang out? I don't know. Whatever it is. <laughs> All how, good question. New news how, how can somebody get a hold of you and take advantage of the services that you provide? Thank you. EMS Inc. We're located here in Claremont, but we actually got rid of our brick and mortar. Paul Wheeler was an amazing landlord, by the way, if I'm allowed to give a shameless plug to him. You're allowed to give, first of all, you're not only allowed to give a shameless plug to him, you're allowed to give a shameless plug to anybody, but if you could please persuade Paul to come on the program, that wouldn't hurt my feelings either. (laughs) I will try to do what I can, but when we first moved to our building, he made that entire building accessible, which he did not have to do based on when the building was built. And he didn't charge us a dime. That's the kind of guy everybody needs to meet. Yes, they do. So EMS Inc., we're here in Claremont. They can find me at Claremont Sunrise Rotary Wednesday mornings for breakfast if they want to come chat with me in person. They're welcome to check out our social media, our Facebook, our website. It's www.employmentms.org. Ah. Got it. We came up with our name EMS Inc. before we were able to figure out our hosting. So that was a lesson learned. If you're starting a nonprofit, make sure the name you want is available. <laughs> Are you kidding? That's a lesson everybody should learn before they do anything. Right. I had to, I can't tell you how much, many times I searched for other names I thought would have been cool for this program. <laughs> and it's all taken, all taken. Right. And I have another podcast that I had to go with a .net oh. just to get the domain. So EMS Inc., the state of California liked it, but EMS Inc. was taken for a domain. So it's employmentms.org. Find us Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Is there a phone number if somebody just wants to call and say, yes. hey, Carrie, I caught your podcast? Absolutely. So my direct line, it's 909-519-3178. Again, 909-519-3178. And that is my direct line. Welcome to call Anytime, preferably banker hours, but if someone needs something on the weekend or after, they're more than welcome to reach out. And an email? Email is my first name, Carrie, K-A-R-I, at employmentms.org. Dot org. Okay. And again, you said all those other things, but so no TikTok, Tumblr, or who's kidding? I, you'd have to check what Janelle is doing on social media. I don't think so. I'm, no. I'm, 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 <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, EMS, swipe right. You know. Right. It, <laughs> I uh, yes, that's not my my area of expertise. So okay, okay. So is there anything then you'd like to tell Claremont just to cap this off? We we usually ask two questions. One is, what would you like for people to remember most from having listened to us for give or take an hour? And what would you like them to do? Great question. So. The first question, I'd like them to know, statistically speaking, if you hire someone who happens to have a disability, they're less likely to quit on you, less likely to steal from you, and also less likely to get injured at work. So for those of you that might be worried about workers' comp or accessibility and all those things that sort of raise red flags, please be assured that the stigma out there is inaccurate 
And if anyone works with insurance, they know that. So you can check with someone else, not just trust me on a podcast. Okay. Although they should. I, I hope they would, but I'm okay. Only because it's my <laughs> podcast. <clears throat> my husband has a thing, trust but verify. That's his quote. Yeah, he ripped it off of that from Reagan. <laughs> he did. Yeah, that's okay. Um, so do I. And the other thing is we are celebrating our 10-year anniversary. And one of our founding board members, Kevin Bunch, he is into car shows. And so he has been asking for years and years, even though we are lucky to get Padua on a pretty regular basis, to do a car show. And so we thought, okay, you have been a founding board member. We're on year 10 now. Maybe we should pull this off. So next weekend, Saturday, September 3rd, although it's not in Claremont, it's downtown Upland. We are hosting a car show with about 80 cars. We're going to have a dunk tank. Are you going to be the donkey? No. One oh, of the Someone else is going to be a donkey. I will be running around from 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. And we also have Pro 5 Brewing and Last Name Brewing Beer. So if Andy any, and his, his yep, crew. Right? Andy was with ABC License, so Alcohol Beverage Control. We right. will be pouring as volunteers. So that way it doesn't infringe on Andy and his brewery. But he's been wonderful. Every time we've ever had an event, they always donate. And so... Shameless plug for that. But for people's actions, if they could please come next Saturday, downtown Upland, between 7 and 2, we're having a band, we have some beer, silent auction, check out some cool cars. Cool band? Cool bands. That always helps. Who are you having? <laughs> it does. Their, their name is Mercy Brothers, and they actually have quite a bit of a following and know how to play at car shows. They said they'd play blues, but not the sad blues. They said it would be fun music. So oh, okay. I'm looking forward to it. Not a lot of my dog died in the pickup truck wrecked. and No. Da -da 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 -da. No. It's supposed to be the fun stuff. And because they know it's for a nonprofit and it's for a fundraiser, they're very gracious about their cost. And so there will be a tip jar in front of them that will be exclusively for them. So if you like Mercy Brothers and you want to make sure that they get some money for the day, please stop by and put some money in their tip jar. Food trucks? We're having a couple food trucks. We had one lined up, but he's opening a new business in downtown Upland and that was taken over his Saturday. But I think we're going to have some hot dogs, some tacos, some burgers, some soda, some water. There's a bakery around the corner. We're making sure that when people get there early, he'll have a deal for them for coffee and a pastry. So nice. Upland bakery. And then is there any particular cars, car or cars, that you think people would like to hear about? One year I went to the Scottsdale auction and they had the actual Batmobile. Wow. George Barris himself there was, that built it, right. was helping auction off. And if you could pick a car out of my childhood that I used to worship... <laughs> I watched the show, the old Batman show, for the car. It's like, the rest of it's stupid. Can we get back to the car? I would take the DeLorean if my dream would happen. Good God. Okay. Have you driven one? No. Try that first. Okay. But there, it's be there's a story to it. Like, Batman, there's a story to I, it. I don't know. We have some fun cars, so I want to leave it as a surprise as far as what's there. But as far as some rich, famous, iconic something... We don't have that for this year. That might be next year. But we've okay. got some incredible like 1920s. We had this idea for a category for construction work truck because we thought that could help like for the barricades to make sure the streets are safe. But the city planning commission thought it was fantastic. The police department said we had to use their barricades. But we're still going to work it in there. I still want to have that extra protection for people that are walking around. And I'm, the idea of a big construction truck probably carries some weight to it to stop a car coming down that way. So, Correct. For next year, let's hit up Jay Leno. He's got a few extra vehicles we could show off. He does, and he's dyslexic. He's done a lot of amazing stuff for the community of people with, with learning disabilities. So, so we have this conversation next year. That's on our to-do list. I would 
love that. I have wanted to invite him to any of our fundraisers and, and have you? I, I didn't know about you then. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's not, <laughs> but you have a way to get a hold of people. I guess I yeah. got you here. That's through tenacity, if nothing else. And the fact that you think I'm funny in the the Chamber of Commerce meetings. <laughs> uh, I do. I thought you especially liked my water saving idea. It it was fantastic and you're welcome to share for anyone who doesn't know what your water saving idea was right now oh if now that you put it that way <laughs> we were at the chamber of commerce breakfast meeting and the guy from the water department asked everyone to talk about ways they save water at home and i thought okay and we all chatted a little bit at the table and they were going to ask everybody at the table to get up and speak and i had to run outside and get my phone out of my truck i was like oh my god okay i ran outside i got back sat down and they said okay you're the one telling people <laughs> i'm like oh, okay and i said okay here's the deal and when they asked it's like very simple right you pee in the yard you poop at work you shower at the gym <laughs> and you know you use paper plates what right it's just real logic you guys come up with these complicated solutions and apparently everybody looked at that and they were horrified and i'm like be careful who you elect <laughs> they asked you answered what yeah, it, it does does work. True. But I saw that the <laughs> folks at your table, I think you had a follow-on comment that entertained folks and I didn't get that. So in return, I'm going to ask you, what was that? I oh. think it had to do with at least your plants would be nice outside because they've ah, been watered. That's right. Yeah. Okay. But they all seem to enjoy that as well. <laughs> we did. We were getting way too complicated. It was all these ideas. I was like, what do you, wait, why, where? Like, oh no! One guy actually came up with an idea to have a an electronic monitor on his on on the water system yes. so that if it doesn't leak, which is really a good idea right. because he said that the and this is completely tangent to the show, but he said that the trick now was is the water district would help you pay for it. Right. And with that, I'm all in. That is the greatest thing. And with older homes where the pipes are maybe not brand new, exactly. You can have a seeping leak that you'll never know until the back porch caves into right. a into a right. uh, into a sinkhole. Very cool. So we've you, we're all going to see you at the car show. Yes, Saturday, September third, Labor Day weekend. Mm -hmm. The idea of having a Labor Day weekend is not lost on us. That was intentional. Good, good. So for those who are in town, care about labor, people going to work, just pop on by, see some cool cars, have a beer, enjoy some music, maybe bid on a silent auction, and we'll see oh, you on Saturday. Okay, let's cut, yeah. talk about that one second. Anything, what have you got on the silent auction that people are going to just live and die for? Uh, so Dr. Pimple Popper, have a little donation from her, which I think is cool. Uh, tons of restaurants, a few breweries. There is, for me, I find this exciting. It may not be for anyone else, but this incredible basket. It's a yoga basket with just amazing things in it. It's also including like $500 worth of meditation and yoga classes with it. I just, the list is growing. We have about 20 items right now. Mm. And it ranges from car show people things to manicures and pedicures. So it's all over the map. My most recent guest has is having a seminar here in Claremont. She's got a startup for CBD products. Oh, wow. Has anybody donated any of that yet? Not yet. Well, Maybe I'll have to look her up. Okay. Megan Bang, and I will contact her for you to put you together and you guys can decide what to do. That'd be fantastic. We're welcoming everything. It's going to be a good day. I think I think a morning starting out with some particularly good CBD products might make the car show all the better. <laughs> for those that want it, absolutely. Hey, would you like a coffee? No, I'm going to have more gummy bears. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to it and 
I know it's going to be a fun day. We're expecting between three and 400 people. And number of cars, are you said like 80 or something? So we have room for 80 cars, yes. Very cool. We mapped it out. We have room for 82.4 cars, but we rounded that to 80. If you throw in like a Mini Cooper or something, it's that's oh, a point four. That was my favorite car so far I've had. Those are amazing. Really? Yeah. A real one or a, real one. a late one? Oh, no, a late one. Yeah, the real ones are from England. My, my, mine was, and they're terrible. Right, mine was larger than the original, yes. Yeah, yeah. The, the, like in the Born Identity, that's a real uh-huh. one. And I guarantee you, they drove after they drove that thing down the stairs. <laughs> it it's didn't like, survive. It, it, it's, we're just going to push it. Here, Matt, get in. We're going to push you into the parking garage. Just get out and walk away. And the, she's, they left the car there. That was probably the best thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's here for posterity. It's kind of like a mash. There's still pieces hanging out there in the mountains. So In the Malibu Hills. Mm-hmm. One day after MASH was concluded, my friends and I were on a hike through there and we happened upon the MASH set. Really? And it was just like, what? And that's that was like our favorite show. Uh-huh. And we walked around and the two things that it impressed us was it was a lot smaller than we thought from TV, but you could see everything. It's like, here's Potter's office. Here's the tent. Here's oh, the wow. this. Here's the that. You know, it's like, wow, this is everything I've seen on TV. And then the other is that, it, I don't know that it hadn't been well cared for or anything, but it, since they were done with it, it, it looked a little rough. Right. But I think what happened is a Malibu fire took it out. Oh. But for the time it was, yeah, and even the guy that was there explained, he says, so the opening scene in MASH where you see the helicopters. Right. Those are coming over the Malibu Hills. That isn't South Korea by any chance at all. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah. He says there was the landing pad and everything else. And, and it was, like I said, it was abandoned, but it was all there. And they just left it for people to check out. Yep. But it seemed a lot smaller. Anyway. They left a small footprint, but a big impression. That's right. Any last thoughts? I just want to say thank you so much for having me here today. And if people can come check out our car show on Saturday, September 3rd, downtown Upland, please come by. Questions, anything at all. Please reach out. I'd be happy to talk to whomever about what we do. So you will be the devastating raven-haired beauty in a particular shirt so they'll know it's you, as opposed to the other raven-haired beauties that are breaking hearts right and left? Right. All of our staff that are there to help will be wearing EMS ball caps, Mm -hmm. and we'll be wearing the car show shirt for the day. So we might blend in with our shirts with any of the car participants who are wearing it. I'm pretty sure they just put it in a bag, though, and take it home. I don't think they actually wear it at the car show. So if you'll see us with an EMS shirt, the front has our logo, the back has a big picture, and we'll have all, we'll have on ball, ball caps that say EMS across the front. But there won't be a big, I'm Carrie, ask me how to be a, on, on your back or something? Nope, there, there will name not badges. be. There will be name badges. We'll all be wearing our name badges, but we are... Okay, name badges. That's good enough. I didn't know if it was either that or light-up shoes or whatever, right. whatever you want. All of our staff and volunteers will be dressed similarly with our identifying name badges because we it's a group effort. It's not just me. So. Okay. I thought maybe you'd be the one I, they, they'd pick out of the crowd because you'd be moonwalking all over the place. No, but... It, Nice callback. <laughs> this may not fit in, into this, but one of our staff, he's a newer employee, so we haven't had like, a big event since he's been with us. So he's asking for a checklist because he's willing to be there early at 5 a.m. And he's like, oh, can you give me this checklist in advance? And I was like, no, I'm going to be there. We'll have a checklist, of course, but I'll be there. And you just seen his face of shock, like, you're willing to be there at 5 a.m. and you're going to stay till 5 p.m.? I was like, yeah, of course. I'm beginning to end. We're there. Then there's no chance of missing you. No, I will be there the entire time. Cool then. All right, so Carrie Anderson? Thank you very much, CEO of, and it's nice to sit with the HLIC, the head lady in charge, (laughs) CEO of EMS, Employment Means Success here in Claremont. People, please go to the car show, and when you do catch up with Carrie, tell her how much you enjoyed her spot here on Claremont Speaks. And Claremont, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll be here next time when Claremont Speaks. Thank Thank you. you.